TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I'm going to dig back into this uh, inflation stuff and what the Fed's doing about it. The, the point I want to get across today is that as we work our way through this high inflation, as we work our way through these democratic, uh, Democrat-led political decisions, as we work our way through this situation we're in worldwide, nationwide and worldwide, we need to keep our head on a swivel. We need to be thinking two sides of an argument at the same time. That's not unusual for you, Dell. No, it's not. That's why I'm successful. It's because I'm looking both directions. Didn't your parents tell you when you were a kid, you walk out in the street, look both directions? That's what you have to do. You have to be willing to look both directions, which reminds me of a joke. And I'm going to go ahead and tell it to you. It's probably insensitive in every way, shape, and form, but I always thought it was a pretty good joke uh, when it comes to thinking about life. And there was this kid that was born as a head. He didn't have a body. So as a kid, he had to stay inside the house and watch all the other kids go outside and play. And for years, he dreamed of having nothing more than a body so he could go outside with the kids and play. And... One day, a kid got killed or got hit by a car and hit his head. His head was destroyed, but his body was fine. So they decided to save the body and donate it to this young head, and the head got sewed onto the body and so forth. And now the kid was whole. And um, needless to say, the child was delighted. When the operation was over and he went through the recovery, he came home, and the first thing he wanted to do was to get out there in the street and play with those kids. And so he ran out into the street and 
realizing that he had never been socialized on how to deal with society, he didn't look both ways and was immediately struck by a car and killed. Now, this gruesome story has a moral. And the moral of the story is, sometimes it's good to quit when you're ahead. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. I know you're not laughing because it's a gruesome story. It is pretty funny. But the reality is, in this case, it means the same thing to me. Sometimes it's good for me to quit while I'm ahead. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. He said, Dell, I just went through three years of investing in your profit, in your system, and I've made tons and tons of money. What do I do now? And I said, I'll tell you what you do now. You put your head on a swivel, and you watch the good side and the bad side. And that's what I'm here to talk about today, putting your head on a swivel. So what's going on? Well, we have massive, massive inflation. Now, by the way, back when Jimmy Carter was around, and you guys are too young to remember this, but back when Jimmy Carter was around, inflation was like 14 15% because they counted inflation differently back then. Nowadays, they've taken the big inflationary items out of the inflation uh, numbers. And so 85 is probably really 14 or 15% inflation. If you really look at the stuff like your food and your gasoline, they're way over 10%. They're in the teens easily, if not in the 20s, and 30% inflation or increase, price increase rates. You know that. I know that. The Fed knows that. Everybody on TV knows that. All the newscasters know that. And so the Democratic newscasters, CNN, MMMMC, ABC, what all those, they all say it's not a problem. Remember, they said this inflation was transitory. Remember when Biden said it was transitory and they all mimicked him and mouthed him and said it's transitory, right? So you have to understand no one's going to tell you the truth. This inflation is bad. Now, the people out there that are feeling it, they know it's bad. You, if you don't have a lot of money, know it's bad. You feel it. You feel it in the gas every time you fill up your tank. It costs over $100 now to fill up your gas tank. You feel it when you go to the store. And what used to be $100 worth of groceries in a cart, a full cart, now costs $400. It's different. It's a lot different. So the Fed is trying to do something about it. And the Fed has the ability to do something about it. They have two things they can do. One is they can increase interest rates. By increasing interest rates, you're supposed to reduce borrowing, slow down spending, shrink demand, which in turn pushes or allows prices to come back down. Or at least by shrinking demand, you don't keep pushing prices up, right? However, even though the Fed has the main control, and by the way, they're also doing reversing their easing, quantitary easing, and they're not buying any more bonds to make money plentiful in the banks. They're letting their bonds expire, allowing there to be less money in the banks so the banks don't have as much money to lend. So they're quantitatively tightening their belt along with raising interest rates. And all this has to affect the economy, right? The problem with that is that this is a multiple-edged sword problem. The secondary problem, one of the main ones, is the supply chain is disrupted. Now, let's just take a look at one little problem in the supply chain. 
China. Shanghai Harbor, the largest harbor in the world, is larger than our two largest harbors in America put together, L.A. and whatever the second one is. Put them together, and that is big Shanghai. And yet Shanghai has been shut down for six months. This is where everything comes out of for the world. And China continues to shut down its entire city. Everybody is in lockdown. So the supply chain is destroyed. With the supply chain destroyed, product can't get here. Demand wants product. There's no product here, so demand is willing to pay more to get it. Hence, more inflation. Now let's throw in the war. Let's spend, let's spend four or five hundred billion dollars. Put that into the economy again for military equipment to go somewhere else. It's not adding to our supply, helping our economy in any way, shape, or form, but it's putting billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars into our money supply. So all these military contract companies have lots of money to give to people to spend. People want to spend it, but there's no product to spend it on. Hence, inflation. So you see, this is a big problem. Now let's add one more thing. Two years of COVID, two years of lockdown in our country. People didn't go anywhere for vacation. They didn't go out to eat. They didn't spend any money. They didn't need any new clothes because they weren't going anywhere. They weren't doing anything. And so people saved a ton of money. It's the first time in our history that there was actually more savings in the bank than there was personal debt. First time ever. So now we have all this money. We're flush with money throughout the entire country but with no product to buy. So you've got lots of money, chasing very little product, increasing prices. This is a massive problem, folks. It's a massive problem. And Biden comes out and says, we're going to try to reduce childcare. That's like one-tenth of Americans even care about that at all. And that small amount won't put foot on the table. We'll be right back to the Bell Wompty Radio Show. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... 
you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Retiring America, one person at a time. This is the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Now, more unconventional wisdom from your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're talking about having your head on a swivel when you're looking at the economic changes that are going on during this moment of your life. You've got massive inflation in, in the first segment here. We went through all the reasons why we have massive inflation. And... I made the point that this inflation isn't going away soon. There's too many underlying factors that they haven't solved. Now, Biden came out with, a, you know, his little rhetorical thing saying, I'm going to do this stuff and we're going to save the day. But all the things that he actually offered up probably don't work. One was to try to reduce child care. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, very, very few people actually have children to go to child care. And if you reduce the cost of child care, that still doesn't solve the fact that all your food, all your gas, all your housing and everything else is going through the roof. So that's not a very effective thing. It only it only affects very few number of people and a very small percentage of their cost or of overhead. Secondly, you talk about he's saying you go, he wants to eliminate uh, college debt. That not only doesn't help anybody because college debt's been frozen for the last two years anyway during covid. It doesn't help anybody because nobody's paying that debt at this point. And number two, the number of people that it helps is next to nobody, okay? And number three, by forgiving that debt, what you've really done is you've put more money into the economy. In other words, debt is opposite of money, of cash. So if you forgive debt, you're really putting more cash into the economy. And what does that do? Again, counters everything they're doing to try to lower that cash position in the economy, and it's going to acerbate the inflation. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because as an investor, you have to be looking at these things. Now, you also have to be looking at the other side. What are the options for your money? And it looks like, if you look at the other side, that there's a recession on the way. They're just now starting to speak of the recession. Uh, they're going to speak of it, but they're not going to admit that it's going to happen, but it, it's probably going to happen. Enough different people have laid out the reasoning for it that I could see that it could happen. So if there's a recession, what's going to happen? The stock market's going to crash. Uh, all your 401ks are going to be worth very little. They become go from 401ks to 201ks, just like they did in the last crash. And you're going to have all kinds of hurt out there, people hurting everywhere. And... Forgiving college debt isn't going to help it. Reducing child care isn't going to help it. And, uh, you know, so Biden really has nothing in his quiver to try to stop the problem that's going on right now. In fact, from what I see and hear, my opinion is Biden is trying to is acerbate and or inflame the war between Russia. They're actually doing joint NATO operations just outside of uh, the Ukraine. <laughs> to show you how to sink Russian ships. So, I mean, this guy's ready. He, he, no good problems should ever be let go and not used. I mean, that's their theory. And so this is a situation where this war could get him out of trouble because if people are focused on the war, then they won't be focused on the economy, right? 
They won't be focused on all the other problems that are going on out there. So I'm just making the point that I see inflation continuing. I see recession right around the corner. And so I have to think to myself as an investor, what do I do? Now, having said that, last week I closed a deal. The week before that I closed a deal. So within 30 days I've closed two major commercial real estate deals and spent lots of money. And while doing so, I saw some prices soften that actually would have been better deals than the ones I bought. Um, So I see it's starting to soften. But what I want to talk about today is the psychology of the real estate broker. The real estate broker sits on a pendulum who makes money when people are buying. He makes money when people are selling. The only time he doesn't make any money is when no transactions occur. And that's when their income goes down. So they're going to either be on the side of selling. If the sellers are hot, they're going to be pushing the buyers to tell them you got to pay more, pay more, pay more, pay more. There's a seller's market. Boom, boom, boom. They beat the bejeebers out of sellers, out of buyers. But if this thing turns around, they will slowly float to neutral and say, I don't want to offend the buyer or the seller because they're both kind of equally powered in this situation. And then eventually, if it becomes a buyer's market, then they will get on the buyer's side and start throwing lowball offers at the seller and telling sellers, hey, this is a good offer, blah, 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 blah. That's what happens every time. Now, I own seven real estate companies, so I happen to know that's exactly what happens. But I've also been in the business for 35 years. That's where I get my real experience in this, watching brokers play the game. So as we sit out here, we can't expect the brokers to tell us the truth about what's going on. That's not going to happen. We have to watch it and see what's happening. And what I see happening is the market starting to soften up a little bit to where the buyers are starting to think about what they're going to pay and be willing to pay. Now, it hasn't turned yet from a seller's market to a buyer's market. It has not even gotten close to that point. But the buyers are starting to think. But we've only raised the interest rates 125 basis points and then another one of 50 basis points. That's only 75% of 1%. That's 0.75% of 1% have they raised the interest rates. But with that small amount of increase in the Fed's fund rates, mortgage rates went from 3.5 to 5.5. So... They're saying they're going to come back with another three quarters, 750 or 75 point increase during the summer. So that's doubling what they've already done. That might take interest rates up to six and a half percent, whatever. Point I'm getting to at some point along the line, what has to happen is that the interest rate being high is going to disqualify buyers and or transactions. In other words, If the debt coverage ratio on a commercial deal doesn't work, then the deal doesn't work. And either the seller's going to have to take a lower price or the buyer's going to have to put more money down. Now, if the buyer is looking at a recession in front of him, he's not going to want to put more money down. And so it's more likely the prices will start to come down. Now, if the same thing happened and there was no recession and everything was booming, then they would probably, like they are right now, just start putting more down and taking back crazier and crazier interest rate arrangements, adjustable rate interest deals that really are dangerous to go into in many cases. 
And I've been seeing this now for the last year, and I've been talking about it for the last year, but it's just now. It's getting to the edge. It's like interesting. We're coming up to the peak of something. Now, remember, it could fall back down on this side and never get back over that peak, but it's starting to rise to that occasion to where people are starting to think about, hmm, are these prices too high for these interest rates? I believe the next 75 basis points increase will get people's attention enough to say, these numbers don't really work. And then we're going to have to keep an eye open to see what happens because we still don't know what will happen. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about having your head on a swivel when it comes to living through economic changes. And we're going through economic changes right now. We've just gone through a downturn, and I've just the first half of the show brought up all the negative stuff that's going on and how we should view it and what we think it's going to do in the future and how long we think it's going to be around. Now let's talk about what do we do. And in my situation, I just bought two more deals. Say, well, Dell, if you think that the prices might be going down, why are you buying? Because I have money sitting there doing nothing. Now, not all of you have money. Some of you only have a little bit of money. And if you only have a little bit of money, then you have to ask yourself, do you want to do something or not? And you're thinking, well, I want to wait till I hit the home run. And the reality is, is that the game of life is not won with home runs. It's one with base hits, doubles, and triples. And as you go through the base hit, doubles, and triples, you've got your head on a swivel looking for the home run. So what I'm thinking is before the whole dam breaks, in other words, the whole economy is destroyed and all these great deals flow out, if that's going to happen, before that would happen, there's going to be some leaks in the dam. There's going to be some people that are in bad financial situations that have loans that come due that they can't refinance because they're coming out of a 25 or 3% loan, and now they have to get to a 5.5% loan, and the numbers won't work, and they've got to divest themselves of the real estate. If you're standing there with a baseball glove, and they're about ready to lose everything they have, and they're throwing their stuff away, you need to catch that. So you need to be prepared, because there will be good deals that occur sporadically throughout the next couple of months, as all of this sort of just peels the layers of the onion back. If there ends up being a bad, bad situation, and there are some home runs out there, at least you've got some base hits, doubles, and triples, and by then you could probably find a way to get some more money and or get the money out of what you're doing and go on. But I'll tell you, when the last recession hit, I was buying properties that were about worth 35000 a door. I bought one for 26000 a door. And then I bought one for 19000 a door. Then I bought one for 14000 a door. 
And then I bought one for 8000 a door. And as the prices kept going down, I kept thinking the one I bought for 26000 a door, I paid too much for it. And lo and behold, during the recession, it was a tough neighborhood and it was a tough operations. But we changed the operational staff of the deal. We turned it around because we just weren't running it appropriately for the times. We turned the situation around and we ended up making $3 million profit. So even the one, now remember, they were selling for $35,000 a door. We bought this one for $26,000 a door. It had just gone through a hurricane and the buildings were destroyed. There had been floods of just, it was all kinds of mess with this thing. And so it was a property in distress, so we were able to buy it in distress at $26,000 a door instead of $35,000 a door. But that wasn't because there was any recessional problems yet. But once the recessional problems hit, I was buying properties that were 10 years newer and in much better shape for only $19,000 a door. So this should have been a disaster. But through corrective operations, we were able to turn around and make $3 million with this deal. And so the point I'm making to you is, even though I was buying at 26, and then later at 19, then at 14, and then at 8, as these prices went down, the ones I bought at the other prices actually made a lot of money. In fact, all of the properties eventually became worth $35,000 a door again, or eventually $50,000. But once they came back up to 35, I got out of them, because I had made all the profit from the bottom all the way to the top. But the people I sold them to didn't get at them until they were worth 50. So they made as much as I made being out there at the top end of the market. The point I want to get across to you is real estate is very forgiving. I've seen people buy it wrong and make money with it. I've seen people run it wrong and make money with it. Where we end up finding people that are in distress is where they buy it wrong and run it wrong. And when you buy it wrong and run it wrong, or you put bad financing on it, and you have a couple of different challenges all at once, and you don't know how to get out of those challenges, you don't have enough cash to get out of those challenges, that's when you see people lose everything. And when they start losing everything, when these people start finding they can't get out of the problems, is when real estate becomes interesting. Because now you can come in and help them out of that property, help them out of their problem, at a cost to them, of course, uh, but help them out of that property. I know a group right now that bought some properties, which, by the way, I when I when they t- asked me about them, I said, don't buy them, but they decided they'd buy them anyway. And they're right now in a situation after running them through COVID. They bought them wrong. They bought a property type that I would never buy. They bought it wrong. They operated during COVID. COVID wiped them out uh, because it was uh, just impossible for them to get tenants in this particular case. And I won't go into particular case because it'll tell you exactly who the people are. But it, it's a situation where they're now selling the property and they'll be lucky if they net 40% of their investment. Now, they bought the wrong stuff. They bought the wrong time. They paid too much in an environment that then went against them. And there was just too many things that was working against them for them to be able to fix it. And all of that culminated right now while interest rates are going up, making it impossible for them just to sell out on a con- compressed cap rate. A lot of the people who got into this stuff and did it wrong get out because the prices have been going up so much, the cap rate has compressed so much that they're able to sell their properties out even though they did it wrong. 
It happens, right? All right, so I hope you see that we've got to be aware of what's going on around us. We've got to make small incremental changes to our portfolios. When we see something that looks good, get it, right? Keep your head on a swivel. Be looking for these deals. And when you see one, grab it, right? But at the same token, when a broker comes to you and says, hey, man, this is a seller's market. you got to pay too much. And when you put that interest rate on there and you put that loan on there and that thing doesn't make any cash flow and that thing doesn't make any sense, you need to walk away from it. It's time to start saying no to some deals. I know that we've had deals coming up for the last year or two where they were 300% over solicited. In other words, there were so many people who wanted to get into the deals that they were oversubscribed. Well, that's fine, but right now you need to start looking at the deal. Don't just blindly throw your money at something because it's out there. Start looking at the deal. Start thinking about if the deal makes sense. Look at the interest rates. Look at the cash flow. Look at the profitability before you just throw your money at things. It's that time of marketplace. Hey, there's good times. There's crazy times. There's bad times. And everything in between. It's just that time where you need to start paying attention. All right, enough of that. Let's move on here. We've got some emails. This one says, uh, when you have a minute, I wonder what your philosophy is on holding rental properties, cash for rental properties. I have one rental property. It's got about $1,250 a month in income. Uh, would you suggest three to six months in cash would be enough for the reserve? Yeah, that's plenty. Three to six months worth of cost for that property is plenty to, to maintain it. Six is top of the line way. You know, I wouldn't say too much, but it's overly uh, conservative. Three is about right. However, what I would suggest you look at is your overall position in life, not just your property. Uh, because what would happen if you lose your job? What, you know, what is the chances of you losing your job? I look more to my overall liquidity. What am I going to deal with, you know, myself is the way I look at it. And in that, <clears throat> I basically keep quite a bit more cash than most people do. Why? Because I have 27 different companies. In fact, I might even have 30 by now because we opened just a few more. But whatever it is, number of companies I have, I got a lot of cash because I got a lot of companies and I need a lot of reserves for a lot of different things going on. So I carry a lot more cash than the average person. But you need to think about having six months to a year's worth of reserves for yourself, just as survival reserves in case something happened where you lost your job for six months or whatever might come up. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So be careful with that. Next one is, um, hmm, let's see here, capital gains. Okay, question is, I don't understand you brought up the point where there's capital gains and there's appreciation. What is the difference? Well, appreciation is if you buy a piece of property and you just let it sit there and its value goes up because of the market. That's appreciation. Take a short break from the radio. I'll come back and explain the difference between the two. Be right back with the Del Wilds Radio Show. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Got a question? Call 855-497-4DELL. That's 855-497-4335. Or email Dell at askdell at l-u-i-n-c Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. 
Uh, I was asked a question here uh, on an email talking about what is the difference between appreciation and uh, capital gains. Capital gains is an IRS uh, a calculation that says, okay, we bought this property for this amount, and this is our basis, everything all in, this is what the property's worth, and then this is what we sold it for, minus all the expenses, and the difference is capital gain, and that's taxable, whether it's short-term gain on regular tax rates or long-term capital gains rates, whereas appreciation is something that's not necessarily taxed yet. Appreciation is the fact, okay, I bought this property for 100000 if you go to appraise it right now, it's worth 200000 It's gone up in value, but we have not had to pay taxes on that because it is not realized yet. So that's really the difference. Um, from the outside looking in, you might say they're the same thing. Uh, in essence, they are. Uh, to move on, what does this one say? Uh, I'm hoping gets passed on to you. How many years I wanted? Okay, this is an interesting email. And this is one of those emails I have to be careful because it's sensitive and I'm I try to be sensitive but you know I'm sensitive as a type B accountant type person which means our sensitivities are hedged in common sense okay so it goes on and says I have for years wanted to purchase properties and renovate them but never could get anyone to be a part of any of my ventures so that's saying people looking at what she wanted to do were saying, I don't want to give you any money. For whatever reason that is, think about that. We have no problem having people give us money to do what we do. Her ideas could not get anybody to give her money. She goes on and says, when I lived in Los Angeles, Pasadena was offering gorgeous 1900s homes for a dollar. 1900s. Do you realize this is 2020? So that makes it a 120-year-old home. She wanted to buy a 120-year-old home. Why were they offering them for $1? I can't say. Get them off the tax rolls. Get them on the tax rolls. Get somebody to move into that part of town that won't move into that part of town. Or just tear it down. I have no idea. But she couldn't get somebody to help her buy it for a dollar. And how could she not buy it for a dollar? says, I couldn't get my husband to buy one. Well, you don't need a husband to buy a property for a dollar. Do you understand that? Unless it's a dollar down and you finance it, which means you may be paying a ton of money for a 120-year-old property. Not enough information to make that argument, but think about it. Her husband, logically, would not let her buy a property for a dollar. There's some reason why that is. I would suggest it's probably because it wasn't for sale for a dollar, but her brain, it was a dollar. Okay. When I was 50, I discovered I had a learning problem, which answered why I had so much trouble in school, unless it was in baking classes and sewing. It also explained why I didn't understand bosses with new programs or why trying to become a realtor. I just did not understand, which is why I wanted to, but never entered your program. So now we're looking at a person here saying, okay, look, I've got a learning handicap of some type. Don't know what it is, right? And it goes on for like four or five paragraphs. I mean, she writes me her like life story in here and here. I don't want to insult her in any way, shape, or form. But the bottom line is, is that I run into artistic people. And here she's very artistic, and she's done some artistic things uh, with her baking and with her sewing and whatever. She's She's got this, you know, that type of uh, brain that's one-sided to the 
artistic side and weak on the logical side. And uh, if you call that a learning handicap, maybe it's a, a positive as far as being creative. I don't know. But the point is creative people do not see ventures financially the way logical people see them. And so to them, it's fun, it's exciting, it's something that will make a difference in the world, and they want to make these differences. Uh, that has nothing to do with lifestyles whatsoever. I'll read you what I wrote back to her, trying to be as kind as I possibly could, but it might clarify something to some of you out there that are that creative, that want to do creative things and want to join our program to be creative. I, not, I And I quote, I do not do the type of real estate investing you're interested in. It is highly risky at any point in time. Uh, but even worse, now that the Democrats are destroying businesses like those all over the city. And she had a business, a cake production business. And small businesses were getting destroyed all over the place during COVID. So her small business didn't have a chance. I mean, you're trying to start up a new small business right in the middle of COVID, and the, and the government is saying shut down everything. Very difficult for even a person that's very business-minded. As far as honesty, and she's had people rip her off left and right, left and right, left and right, you must think like Ronald Reagan, trust with verification. I never partner with anyone. She's partnered with multiple people who said that they would bring her through and take her artistic creativity stuff and make it mo make money with it. And they never did. They eventually end up taking whatever business they actually created and leaving her in the dust because all she was just a creator and not really a producer. I've always, and so I told her, you know, you can't partner with people and expect them to do for you what you want to do for yourself. I've always owned and or at least controlled everything. That's me. Because I do this not, I do not run into the problems you have with other people. Good luck on your dreams. Guys, the creative investment stuff, people buying stuff because they want to remodel it, the, all this stuff on TV, every TV artistic rehab remodel show I see is a lie. Nobody is making a living, making a living, remodeling and selling homes. Nobody. Every one of these people you look up, they're making money on their TV show. They're not making money on remodeling and selling homes. In fact, many of these guys that were doing high-end homes, I found out later, were actually losing so much money, they had to buy their homes and live in their own homes they had remodeled because they couldn't sell them. I won't even name names, but if you think about a guy that's a rapper that's doing it, you'll figure it out real quick. So, remember this. It's time to get out there, keep your head on a swivel, and make things happen. And always remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at tmobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.